This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Georgie, Georgie, they call you the Belfast boy. Georgie. Hi everyone, Wayne Barton here. Um, there have been a surprisingly high number of people asking me if there will be an audiobook released of uh, True Genius, my biography of George Best, which is out today. Um, there aren't any immediate plans at the moment. It is something that we're looking into as a result of all these questions. But as it is launch day, when this podcast is being released, I thought I would read a short excerpt from, from the book to entice you in. So this is from the, the chapter entitled, On the Shoulder of Giants. The date of March 26, 1958, might seem an odd place to start when chronicling George Best's journey at Manchester United. But the FA Cup semi-final replay between United and Fulham has a certain significance that has hitherto gone unrecognised. United won 5-3 on the day. They qualified for the FA Cup final. United have won many FA Cup semi-finals and they would be favourites to beat Fulham. But in 1958, it was not as clear-cut as it might have been in any other year, due mainly, of course, to the devastating impact of the Munich air disaster. It was indeed just a matter of weeks after the tragedy, which cost 23 people eight of whom were Manchester United players, their lives, and two further players, their careers. I will assume some familiarity on part of the reader with the events surrounding the disaster, but as a summary to bring us up to speed, United manager Sir Matt Busby was convalescing, and his assistant Jimmy Murphy was controlling first team affairs, and a grand job he was doing. Despite losing so many players, Murphy had embarked on a fateful journey for both himself and the club by deciding he would remain as true as he could to the philosophy he and Busby both shared and worked upon for the many years preceding Munich. That meant minimal supplementation from players outside the club. A couple of experienced professionals had come in. They were needed. But Murphy went to the youth team, to lads he knew, and hoped that Roy Motion would compensate for the education they were missing by skipping valuable reserve games and moving straight to the senior side. One of those players was Alex Dawson. Dawson, a striker, scored a hat-trick in that 5-3 win. That was his job, and he did it expertly. He was a player of immense promise. His three goals in three first-team appearances in the closing weeks of the previous season had shown that. 
He was also a player who needed some time to adapt to the rigours of the professional game, as was reflected in the fact he had made just one single appearance in the 1957-58 campaign prior to the disaster. He scored in the first game after it, against Sheffield Wednesday. In all, he scored 10 goals in 17 games after the crash, a very respectable return, with the highlight coming at Arsenal's former ground hybrid in that semi-final. Replace respectable with impressive, and you have a description for Dawson's career record. 54 goals in 93 games gives him a tally and a ratio, which would be the envy of many, but it's the latter number, 93 games, which gives us cause to stop and consider. Those 93 came over a spell of four and a half years, and, whilst his rate of scoring never diminished to signify a drop in form, he never bettered the feeling of scoring a hat-trick in an FA Cup semi-final. Now there's nothing wrong with that, you might say, and you could well be right. After all, no United player has done it since. The point is that Dawson, and many other young players at Manchester United at this time, had limitless potential. Their destiny was to score goals in cup finals, to win trophies, certainly in England, maybe even Europe too. If they had been able to develop at their natural rate, perhaps they would have done. The emotional and physical pressure of representing the club in those days is unquantifiable, but must not be underestimated. You were not awarded medals for appearances, which is a shame, because Dawson, and those young men who stepped into the breach with him, certainly deserve something more. Something tangible. Anything would have been better than the curtailed career that the beautiful, but sometimes utterly, utterly cruel, game provided them. They gave everything they had, but maybe the cruelest blow of them of all was that they could never really be themselves. Munich claimed the careers of more than ten men. These are just a few. Alex Dawson, Tommy Heron, Bobby Harrop, Mark Pearson, Kenny Morgans, Freddie Goodwin. Young players who coped so wonderfully and admirably in the short term to carry the club through its darkest days but paid the price with a career much shorter than had been tipped. None of these players were part of United's next great triumph when they won the FA Cup in 1963. I don't think you could ever fully judge how good a player could be until they were given that chance in the first team, says former United midfielder Carlos Arturo, who was at the club in the 60s. There were some who were great at youth team level, who struggled against the senior professionals in the Central League. There were some who were even brilliant at Central League level, but for whatever reason couldn't handle the step up to first team football. There's an extra percentage you have to add along the way. There were some players who just froze, for want of a better word. They did brilliantly coming in and dealing with the pressure, but they were thrown in too soon, sooner than was intended. When Busby was well enough to continue his job, the urgency for United to compete for trophies meant there was a readjusting of the philosophy. The holistic approach of supplementing a homegrown team with a world-class player here and there had effectively been flipped by the time of the 1963 FA Cup final.
Bobby Charlton and Bill Folks, Munich survivors, were in the team, as was David Gaskell. Though Harry Gregg was normally first choice, the reasons for his absence from the final were disputed. Three players developed by the club was fairly admirable, but other teams had followed the trend. Even Leicester, their opponents on that day, had more homegrown players in their team than the famous Manchester United. Jimmy Murphy had pledged to give Busby one more FA Youth Cup winning team. He had already provided five before the disaster. And those were teams that included the likes of Charlton, so were obviously brimming with talent. But even within those parameters, some players are just even more excellent than others. United struck lucky with Duncan Edwards, a player of such outstanding talent that opposition teams complained he should no longer play against players his own age. According to Charlton, Edwards was the only player who made me feel inferior. Edwards was a bulldozer, a tank, a man whose size was not defined by or regarded by feet or and inches, rather an aura if you were on his side and a feeling of intimidation if you were not. He could beat you with skill and with strength. He knew he could. He knew he was better than players with 10 years experience on him. He played with that belief. He was one of the few players in football history where the phrase generational talent is in fact a colossal understatement. Not even death could defeat him because his legend has grown ever since. It was inconceivable that British football could have another talent as mercurial as Edwards. It certainly couldn't happen at Manchester United. Too much had changed. It was harder now. Even if a player had the raw talent, there would have to be a concession for the weight of expectation that would be carried on those shoulders as soon as they graduated into the first team. Murphy could build a team to win the Youth Cup but finding another Edwards was another matter. It is important to mention the burden. It is important to remember the likes of Alex Dawson just as much as it is to remember Duncan Edwards. These considerations helped to create a proper perspective of, of how remarkable it was that by the time George Best finally arrived in Manchester to give it a proper go at Old Trafford, the staff had created an environment where the weight of expectation carried by those young boys did not include the overwhelming load of the ghosts who in it invaded every sinew of the club. Be it the pitch at Old Trafford, the changing rooms, the training ground or in the orchestra of the terrace. Thanks for listening. True Genius is available in all good bookshops and online in hardback and Kindle now. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to order your copy. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.